my first fucking reaction before seeing the memes was I was like, Alex, so like, why did they leave that on the table? Conspiracy. See. Like what? The lowest hanging fruit of lowest hanging fruits. You don't have to try to make con C. You can just use it. Conspiracy. Are you shitting me? And just respell C. I can't. Yeah. I can't. Hey guys, I'm Jamie. And I'm Lo, and welcome to another episode of Try Saying That Out Loud, a podcast where we talk in painful detail about, and I quote, white girl shit. It's our lives and our truths, uncensored and unscripted. Sorry, kiddos. <laughs> what up? Oh, you know nothing. I'm just serving for anyone who watches the YouTube, which I think is maybe one person. The six people that watch it. <laughs> oh, six is generous. Yeah, six is really generous. Uh, this is post-COVID vaccine chic that I'm serving you. Oh, yeah. We're both. Heads up. We're both fully vaccinated. Well, in two weeks. Do you understand well, we how have, quickly I'm going to go get a fucking pedicure? We are both. We both have both shots. Which, okay, also, so here's the thing that Alex was like, you're wrong. Like, he loves to just, like, say I'm wrong about things even though I'm not. I was like, no, I was reading and then I heard on some news channel from some doctor that actually after the first one, your first vaccine two weeks later, you're 80% effective. That's correct. And thank you. Yep. And Alex didn't believe me. And then I had to fucking show him a doctor talking. No, that's so right. So I didn't think it was that high. I mean, I, I didn't either. But I, someone told me that afterwards and I looked it after, up and I was, like, two weeks, oh. I was like, oh, I would have felt so much better after even the first one. Right. But anyway, I don't even remember what I was saying. Oh, you were saying that um, in two weeks you're going to be fully vaccinated. Oh, and how quick I'm going to get a facial and get and my pedicure. Pedi- my toenails. Oh, my God. I can't even fathom. It's I've gotten sick. pedicures. It's disgusting. It's honestly, I applaud well, you. I've been like trimming them. I'm not like totally a monster, everyone, but I've been trimming them myself. But I can't even tell you I haven't. So I would go get a facial every four to six weeks because I'm an asshole. But it's honestly like the best self care thing I can ever do for myself. And I have not gone since February. Yeah, so it's been over February 2020. Uh huh. I think it was February the last time I went. That's wild. That's really wild. Honestly, it might be January. I'm full into, I'm back in all of my things at this point. Yeah. Well, so I'm like, how excited, I, I'm thrilled about it, but then I'm also like, am I going to do too much too soon? Like I was listening to that girl kit from the bachelor season. Uh-huh. She posted on her Instagram story. She was like, so I've been doing the most. And she's like, but by the most, I mean, like, I've gone to dinner twice. And she's like, and I am depleted. Right. (laughs) She's like, I can't, like, what? My social, I need to go away. And I, it's so fucking the most true. Everyone is going to be like that, I think. Right. Like, am I going to just do the most and be so extra and then just be like, well, I'm dying. So, I mean, as you know, I was home this past weekend. I mean, by the time this comes out, it will be a couple of weeks. But I was home over Easter. Um, it was the first so time I'd seen my family in 18 months. Um, just COVID. My, you know, my parents are older. Um, I wanted to wait till they were vaccinated. The whole thing. And so I went back for a wedding. One of my best friends. I was standing up in her wedding. So the first thing. I mean, mind you, like I say the first thing, like I've gone to the grocery store. I've clearly gone to get like my nails done, but like I haven't eaten inside a restaurant. Like, you know, there are things that I like I just haven't done. And I haven't eaten inside a restaurant since I was in Thailand in February of 2020. 
And right, there's something about a restaurant. Sorry to interrupt you, but I think this is the connection I'm making about activities. If I can't wear right. a mask, that freaks right. me out a little. Yes. I mean, that's, I think that's what it is. Like grocery store, well, grocery stores, they pretty much said are like, like you're so far away from people and they're so big that like that's like really not where you're going to get it. Anyway, so I went into more stores in one day than I have in like basically because I'm a psychopath, but I was in a grocery store. I was in a Walgreens. I was like getting him all the things he wanted. I went into the store and I was like, "Ooh, snacks. I like never <laughs> like I'm like, oh, look at all these fun things. I was like, oh, God, don't go shopping. You're like, like this don't. is what happens when I haven't gone into a grocery store. <laughs> The grocery store was months. a thrilling fucking experience. I was like, Ooh. oh, yeah, I was like nori seaweed popcorn. OK, I was like all these snacks that I can eat. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. And I caught myself being such an insane person, like in the moment. But I was like, fuck it. Living my best life. Into the cart. Into, into the, the cart. cart. So then I was like, so don't let me go to any sort of store that has clothing. Because can you imagine? <laughs> no, absolutely not. I, it's just I also ridiculous. have not been to like a clothing store now that you say that, but you can wear a mask in there. So I don't know what it is about that. But anyway, so I was at this, I went home for this wedding and the first yeah. thing, the first restaurant that I went into in all of COVID and ate inside was the rehearsal dinner um, for this wedding, which like, it was so fucking weird. I was so like, <sighs> and like no, no one was like making me feel unsafe, right? Like it was it was not like a, it wasn't a closed off room. It was like just in this restaurant and like the tables were all six people to like keep social distancing. It, it wasn't like, you know, a table of 40 people. So like it was social distance. Like I was sitting there with my mask and like when I was eating, I wasn't. And when I was drinking, I wasn't. But like most people weren't because it's not a requirement and it's fucking annoying to just be like, like I get it. Totally. But I was like, it. okay. And then the same, same for the wedding day. Luckily, we so we got ready in this like like it was at a like a country club, and we got basically yeah. got ready in this boardroom that they like emptied out. It was like a giant room yeah. where you like they set up the hair and makeup. So I felt better that it wasn't like a tiny bridal Until, suite with right. twenty five yeah. people in it. But like yeah. still, I was in that room all day, and then the wedding was outside, which was nice. But still, and then I was at a fucking wedding. With so you just people. drank, right? To like make yourself comfortable. Correct. Correct. You're like, so it's fine. I'm just gonna like lower my inhibitions with the liquid courage. Correct. And be fine. And yeah. and like they, I mean, to be fair, the place that was hosting the wedding was like really trying to push the masks. Like they were having the band stop playing if people weren't wearing masks on the dance floor. Like, oh wow, okay. They were like, I mean, they were like trying, to, they were not trying to get fined. You know what I mean? But yeah, like when true. you're at ten o'clock with people that have been drinking since noon. Like you're putting masks on a toddler. Like it's just it's not happening. One hundred. It's right. just not happening. People are doing the chin strap. Oh yeah, I have multiple pic. I mean, I don't have a single picture with me with a mask on, and I have multiple pictures of my friends wearing their masks. Yeah, like this chin basically. strap. <laughs> right. I mean, it was great, but I got back to my. I stayed at my sister's house, and I got back, and I was like, "Fuck!" Like I am. Yeah. I mean, that being the first thing that I did post COVID. That's a lot. That's it a was lot. a lot. I was like, "All right." So a lot in one eating at a restaurant, like, I don't know, everything eating at a restaurant, like, have, going to also a multiple days in a row. Like it wasn't like there was I no do break, have a break. It was nope. just like, bam, bam, bam. Yep. 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 So that was, and then I was also obviously in an airport twice. Right. Which like actually wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. No, I feel like I'm not as worried. Well, and I heard 
my friend just told me, which will make you feel better. Cause I guess, cause I know Ben didn't go with you. So I would have right. been worried, like, am I going to bring something back to Ben? But they, but there are new studies that say, um, all the vaccines in circulation for at least six months prevent you from really spreading it too. Apparently. Oh, good. So like, well, even he's also would, vaccinated at this point. He's vaccinated, right. So you're not as worried, but that's what I would be like. I'm like, who am I going to bring this I know. to? I know. I was, yeah, it was a lot. But now, so. but now are you like, are you, I want to do all the things no. or are you, I need a fucking break. No, like not now I'm like, oh, I'm back home. So I'm like back in quarantine. Not like I need a break, but it was just like, so I'm back to like norm. Status and it's like in, yeah. in two weeks, like that's not going to be the case in two weeks. I'm going to be able to go wherever the fuck I want. Like pretty much with no worry. Ben was like, yeah, are we, what are we going to do in two weeks when we're like fully vaccinated? I was like, I don't know, eat in a restaurant. Like, <laughs> like, like, I was like, we're not going anywhere. No, um, I'm like, I'm like, Alex, we can go eat outside at a restaurant. Isn't that like, great? And he's like, we can go inside. I'm like, well, oh, okay. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, we do have one thing that we thought about before we got on here. The Khloe Kardashian photo controversy. Right. Bottom line, I think she looks fucking amazing in that non-filtered photo. Okay. And I, people don't love my opinion on the Kardashians because I, here's the thing. And I've said this before. People just like to hate, right? They're like, oh, that's they're like, oh you're wealthy. You have all these things that I don't have. I hate you for that. And I just, I think that's like a very unhealthy emotion. And I'm not saying that like there are not other people in the world that like deserve Chloe's level of fame for like whatever she does or doesn't do. Right. Like I'm not right. But there are things you can't deny. Chris Jenner knows how to fucking run a business. She knows how to like, she knows how to fucking traffic her children. Let's be real. Yep. Sorry if traffic yep. is an offensive word, but she fucking knows how to do it. Yeah. So like, Sounds and I don't, yeah. I would be terrible at that. So hello to each their own. Like, I'm just going to say that. So do you? yeah, I mean, that's pretty much, I just don't care. Right. Like, right. Like, and I, Chloe actually happens to be my favorite Kardashian. I find her hysterical. I'm a watcher of the Kardashians. I have been for a very long time. And I actually think that I would be friends with her because I think she's fucking hilarious. Like, I think that she has a really good sense of humor. And I, she fucks with her siblings. And I just, I find it fun. I understand the, like, obviously, like, editing is unhealthy. But, like, I immediately put myself in Chloe's situation because she's always was kind of like the fat sister. Mm -hmm. She always was, like, not the, like, oh, like, the people were like, oh, is your dad OJ? Because you don't look like like it's she's right. dealt with shit her whole life. She was she's always been like the the out for lack of a yeah. like and she was not the reason why the Kardashian like it's all Kim started this right Kim and right and so she's just so she's kind of born into these circumstances like the Jenner kids too born into these circumstances where it's like okay like this is what my family does you know I'm gonna be like as authentic as I can but like at the same time poor fucking Chloe constantly being ridiculed in the media like being fat. And so, of course, like, and here's the thing about social media. It's always a curated. Always. Always. It's always the best side of your fate. Like, I have fucking lopsided. Always the best side. All You know, like. My photos are edited. Like, I mean, that's just. Right. Yeah. So if we as regular human beings can put an edited photo on Instagram and not be dragged through the mud, then like, why does it change that Khloe Kardashian is just trying to like mitigate the fucking hate she gets in the media because you know that she would post like that photo ordinarily and people would have attacked it right and so I just I felt I felt for her I was like oh god like how do you like 
how do you balance this like being authentic and real, which I think actually Chloe is probably one of the more real sisters, to be honest. I think that's right. Besides, I feel like Kendall, but she's just not in the, in the media. Kendall's my fave. Yeah. I feel like she's kind of the more like true to herself and honest of right. them. And, but like at the same time, it's like everyone has their traumas. Like she's traumatized by the media for most of her life because of her Because body. of that. Right. So like, I, I just felt like it was a little. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I feel like for me, it was like, oh, like she looks really, like I thought she looked really good in the, in the photo. Like before I even. I also, I also, sorry to interrupt you. I also wasn't surprised by the photo. It's not like I look at photos of Khloe Kardashian that she posts and thinks that they're not edited. Oh, the, um, the, the edited photo. To like remove a little cellulite. Right. Or the, like the unedited one. I like wasn't shocked by it. I was like, yeah, that's like, I was like, that's what a human body looks like. I'm like, Correct. I'm not that dumb to be scrolling through her social media and think she has no cellulite. Right. I mean, I guess there probably are some people. And I think, and not, this is not in, uh, against Chloe. Like I, I agree with your opinion in the sense that like she's been traumatized by this, right? Like she's like, holy fuck, like I can't have this out there because like what is the media going to say about me? And like her mental health, yeah. So like I totally get that perspective. And I think I think the two things that are like worth noting are first is the disparity between the Photoshopped photo and her photo. It's like, and if you remember that quote unquote scandal from like, I don't know, was it last year where it was like that picture of her, of her face where like I didn't even know who she was. And then, oh, yeah, I kind of remember that. I forgot. You know, it was like clearly, clearly so photoshopped that some people were like, who, who is that? So it gets, and it's not for people like us, right? Like, we obviously know that this is photoshopped and that's not what she looks like. If these people have like young teenage fans, like, right, those kids don't necessarily know. And like, some of them probably do, but like, everyone is like looking at them being like, oh, like, I wish I could like look like no one looks like that. That's true. That's true. It perpetuates this like that filtering yourself is okay for a young person who probably can't understand the nuance of like someone else, like the reason why someone's doing something. Right. Right. So I mean, I definitely I see both sides. But for Chloe, it fucking sucks. And for people that are saying like, don't filter photos, like I obviously I filter my photos. Instagram started doing this thing that I really like. If you use any filter on Instagram, like I took a picture from an Instagram story, like I took a selfie and I used one of the face filters and I, I saved it. And then I later used it as an Instagram post, like in my feed underneath, it says like created with and like names the filter. Oh, I didn't know that. That's great. And it was even after I had saved it and had just been sitting in my photo. So like it somehow was able to recognize that I had used an Instagram filter. So it's obviously it doesn't work if you're using other apps, but like if you're using Instagram, it will tell your followers at the bottom, like what it was filtered with, which I think is amazing. Like, I'm not trying to hide the fact that I filter photos, but I'm not like writing in every photo. This is filtered. Like you should just assume my face is filtered pretty much. Right. Like, I mean, like, duh, because it right. covers up. Like, so I think, mess. so I think that is a really helpful thing. Like not mm-hmm. that, you know, celebrities are going to start like, again, putting in the bottom of their photos, like this is filtered. But I think as someone with a platform as big as hers, she has a responsibility to like tell people you know, this bikini photo of me, like, yeah, I did edit it. Like, this isn't really what I look like. If, I mean, if this shit is going to come out and she's going to have a regular photo of her taken and then she's like, no, I don't want anyone to see that I really look like that. It's, uh, yeah, no, and I hear what you're saying. It's a fine line. It's a really fine line because I guess I just come back to, okay, well, like normal person on your social media where you curate what you look like, would you want that? Like, 
you do, you curate your social media to give yourself to bring something to your life, right? Like right. Uh, whatever, like whatever. It's for you. It's not for other it's people. It's for you. It's not for other people. And yes, it is true that these celebrities like often now are like have social media for other people. I don't know. I don't know. I just, it's hard. It's really hard. Cause I'm just like, at what point, like, do we, do we give celebrities a pass for just being a human being? Well, I mean, if it's not like, I mean, this is a case where I think you just give them a pass for being not, it's not really affecting it's anyone. It's not doing anyone like actual harm. And like how it's, and it depends on how severe the, the edits are. I'm kind of like, okay, then Chloe clapped back and like looked fucking incredible. And like, she was like, okay. Oh, she did. I never saw. Yeah. She posted. Oh, it was really great. She had a great statement. You should look at it, but she posted like a video of her looking good. Yes. I think it was, I think she went on Instagram live. And she, like, had a video. Is that her? Yes. Damn. She looks great. So, like, to her, and to her point, I think she mentions in the post, she's like, sorry if I, like, personally thought that, like, the lighting wasn't flattering. Like, how many times have I looked at a photo of myself and been like, oh, God, why does my really intense jawline make me look like I have, like, a pinhead? Yeah. Like, I'm like, what is, like, so there are things like a lighting, like, all these considerations where it's like. Oh, yeah. Her post is very good. Uh, we'll like link it somewhere. It's ex- it's extremely good and like so well. And she's like, I, look, I have fucking self esteem, but it's taken me a minute. But like, uh, lighting, like everyone has this moment. It's not like when I look at that photo, I'm like, oh, I think she looks great. To her point, she's like, even on an unphotoshopped day, right? That is a bad angle of me, and that's not what I normally look like in my head. I was like, oh, that's just like what she looks like. But to her, she's like. This is a horrible angle of me. Right. There's an inconsistency. She's like, I work so hard to make my body. Like, this is what I look like on photo. Right. And like, if you, you do, you work so hard. Like you've been, your body, especially your weight has been run. Like that's, that's the crux of Chloe's existence. So early into this Kardashians franchise was that she was like the fat sister. Yep. And like. So can you imagine? No. Like the tr- like looking at a picture and being like, okay, this doesn't represent. Like this is bad. The angle's bad. Like I mean, she looks incredible in this video. Incre- she's fucking incredible. She and she works her ass off for it. Right. And so I now I really yeah I understand that now because like, especially yeah. But I see your point about like perpetuating it with young people, and you're right. Like to a certain extent, even though social media is for you as a celebrity, you have to understand the weight of your platform. And I don't think that here's the thing. It's like I just. I don't think that Chloe's like trying to hide that she filters things or like trying to hide no. that she curates just like anyone else on social media isn't trying to hide that. Or maybe they, are, you know, I don't know, but you're right that there's that population of young people that are too immature or naive to understand, to understand like people's journeys and like that. So it is, it's a, it's a conversation. I think, I think it's a conversation more so that like parents need to be having with their kids though, to be honest. Right. Well, I also think, I think that seeing that video of what she actually looks like unphotoshopped and in like, you know, a normal lighting or the lighting she prefers, the poses she prefers, like it is clear that that's also not what her body looks like the, you know, the unfiltered photo that it's like, you know, it's like a just a horrible angle of her body. So by showing what her actual body looks like in this post. Like her abs are insane. Right. And it goes back to her original. And she's literally naked in this, by the guy. She's like, she has a thong on and she's holding her boobs up. Right. She's right. She's naked. And here's the lighting is different, right? The lighting is not as direct, like, but like, okay. No, but what I was going to say is that when she shows this video of her normal, bo- like, 
normal body and the lighting she prefers and like flexing and whatever, it goes it goes back to the original photo that she posted and it makes it look a lot less drastic, right? Like, so now that you know what her body really looks like, that in like a normal and more flattering angle and you go and see this like quote unquote filtered photo, you're like, oh, there's not as much of a difference. Like it's, this isn't incredibly edited. So right. I think that's important too. I think it's important to be like, totally, this is what I look like. This was a bad photo. Everyone can take a bad photo, but like, this is what I look like and I work hard. The end. Yeah, I just, I, once again, it's comes, and we've talked about like celebrities and being treated like humans, but even with like the, you know, Harry Meghan thing, it's just like, at what point are we like acknowledging that celebrities are humans and stop hating on them just because of who they're, they are. Like, it just feels like wildly, I guess I just am not, I don't carry jealousy in my body. I find jealousy to be like the ugliest emotion. Yeah, so I, Like, I'm just kind of like, that's their life. This is mine. And like, given Chloe's circumstances, like they're very blessed people, but like also on the other side of that, would I want that scrutiny? Probably not. Like everyone deals with their own shit. Right. So I just, I guess I, I harbor like a very different relationship with celebrity culture, especially when it comes to like, you know. Right. I've never been so attached to a celebrity. I guess the closest is Billie Eilish, but not in a jealous way. Like I just fucking love her. But I, I'm obsessed with Billie Eilish now, by the way. Oh, that's so that's such great news. Do you know that she's a horse girl? I feel so validated. I did not know that she's a horse girl. She she rides horses. She didn't ask me anything. And I screenshotted it. I thought I sent it to, to you, but I screenshotted it. And someone had asked, do you still ride horses? And she posted a photo of her going over a jump. And I was like, <laughs> that's why you like her. Right. This is why I like Billie. <laughs> I was like, I, I stand validated. So validated. I was like, you are too old to be a Billie Eilish. Stan, I was like, I'm not too old for this. No. But in that in that vein, like I've never, I've just never had a relationship with a celebrity, like a parasocial relationship where I feel like I'm entitled to X, Y, and Z from a celebrity because they're a celebrity. Like I've just never felt that. And there right. are so many people in the world that feel like that. And it's fucking weird. And like that's the problem. I think it's so weird too. I think it's so weird too. And like, I mean, it happens the same with like big bloggers too, like real, like actual big bloggers. Like people expect things from them and like think that they're oh like say they're going through a really bad breakup or a divorce like obviously if you're sharing your life with people like you're gonna have to say something you can't just like have a husband disappear but like you 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 don't owe people an explanation for why you're getting divorced like you don't need to go into those personal kinds of details just because your life is on social media it's so wild I can't imagine it then you say that and it makes me think of Chloe and Tristan and like how you know they're surely back together and like she hasn't, she's so worried in this season. She's so worried about getting backlash right? for like doing for like, okay, but like how many people have gone back together with their person that's cheated on them or like, so why is a it lot. any different for her? And they have a child together. Right. So like how, what? That percentage like what, has to be extremely high. That judgment, I just like, it's like you hold them to a higher standard than you hold yourself. That's what I have an issue with. Right. And I agree. At a certain point, there are things that like you should be using your platform for good. But unless someone does something egregious and is clearly not using like that, whatever that Rachel Hollis bitch is, like oh that's, my- a, that's a that's an issue, right? That's a fucking issue. I can't believe we weren't talking about that. We should talk about that a little bit. I know. I like blacked out because I like I could barely follow. I'm just like, I know she's a twat and I just don't follow her. And so I couldn't. But like, so there's that's the difference, right? It's like, but unless someone's like personally doing harm to other people then why are we like hold 
yourself to the same standard you're holding these celebrities that you quote unquote idolize or like want to hate. Right. So if you want to hate the celebrity for what they're doing, like hold yourself to that exact same standard and let's see how that works out for you. Right. But again, fine line because like Rachel Hollis is an example of like- Rachel, this is a great one. And like I was out of town when this, you know, Rachel Hollis thing happened. So I like wasn't, like I wasn't like page for page on it like I normally would be. Yeah. But basically, if you didn't hear about it, it's Rachel Hollis is a woman who like has basically had her career based on the fact that she's like this go-getter, young boss babe. Like She wrote a book, right? Like that's how... Multiple books. Yeah, she was on like GMA. What was the most recent one? I I only heard her about... Girl, stop apologizing. Yes. Or girl, bitch, wash your face or something, right? Is she that girl too? Girl, wash your face. Girl, stop apologizing. And then there's a third one about her divorce. But she like really cornered the MLM market and like kind of like got all these women, like a lot of her things in her book were directed. What's MLM? Mommy blogging? No, multi-level marketing, like Rodan and Fields, all those like kinds of companies. And she like really got in into that market where it was like, she was like, you can be your own boss. Like she wasn't talking about MLMs, but she was like, you know, you work hard, you make your you're your own boss. Okay, oh, yeah. This is like the K cause, like K, like back in the day. Mary Kay. Mary yeah. Kay. Right. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Um. I mean, there's a ton, there's a bunch of jewelry companies. Now it's right. Yeah. It's a ton yeah. of, there's a ton of stuff. Yeah. But so she like kind of got into that market and it's the heads of those girls being like, you can be this boss, babe. Like we're all like just women trying to make it. And then she posted this TikTok that said, I have, I like, I was in a uh, Instagram live and I mentioned that I have a, ha- I'm quoting her, that I have a house cleaner that comes twice a week. She cleans the house. She cleans my toilets. That was a direct quote from her. And she said, and the girl that commented on it said, you're really privileged to have that ability. And she was like, you're right. I am really privileged. But you know what? I worked my ass off to get here. Not that many people are going to get up at 4 a.m. Not that many people are going to fail publicly to get to where I am. So like, yes, I'm privileged to have someone clean my toilets, but like I worked my ass off to get here. And the girl responded and said, well, that's not very relatable. And her response was, what makes you think that I wanted to be relatable? Everyone that I admire in the world is not relatable. And she goes to list in the caption, Oprah, Harriet Tubman. And like, I can't even, the post is gone. So I don't remember who she all named, but it was like multiple very prominent black women that she idolized that were quote unquote not relatable. And I can't even explain what was going through my head when I saw this because number one, she built her entire brand on being relatable. That was the whole fucking thing. That was her brand. It's like, I'm just this girl. Right. The irony of that. You're right. Right. And the referring to your housekeeper as someone who cleans your toilets, like there's just so much to unpack with that. Like, are you fucking kidding? It's just so, I mean, it's so disrespectful. And then she's like, and not that many people are going to get up at 4 a.m. Says who? Like, there are people working three jobs that are like, you know what I mean? Like, there are single moms that are working so much harder than her. And yeah, so so she apologized. She did like a written apology that was literally torn to shreds. It was bad. It was so bad. She basically just threw her team under the bus. Zero accountability. She said like, yeah, my team told me to wait on it. So I did. Like, fuck off. And then wrote another apology after that one was torn up. Oh, she did. I didn't see that one. Yeah. It's better for sure, but it doesn't really matter at this point. Right? Like, no, everyone knows who she is. Right. She showed her true colors in, like, here's the thing. Like, I, so at first I didn't see the video and I was just kind of like getting like a debrief of like what had happened. And 
Like I, I experienced this with some family members when I've been talking about privilege with family members, not like immediate family members, but extended. the idea that like, you're trying to imply that because I'm privileged means I didn't work hard to get where I am. Oh my God. Like it takes away all of my hard work because. No, know, it just means that race didn't affect it. Right. Which I've had to explain. So like when I first read the, I was like, I was like, good. Yeah. She's igno- like, okay. She's admitting she has privilege and, but like her aggression. So aggressive. With aggression with like, but I worked my ass off. Like she could have been like, look, I know I understand that is very privileged. I, I work really hard and I'm proud that I was able to get myself to this point. And it's so nice to have the extra help around the house because there are some things that just fall through the cracks. There's just like a more graceful way. And then when she like doubled down on the like, she just like kept, right. I was like, okay, so I kind of read, I had like a snapshot of like what happened and then I saw the, and I was like, oh no. Oh, right. So like the tone's all wrong. Like, She's really aggressive. The disrespect. Right. There's nothing wrong with hiring someone that is a housekeeper People need the jobs. Like yeah. people have businesses around housekeeping. Right. It's an economy. Right. It's a part of the economy. Right. So it's not to say that you shouldn't hire a housekeeper if you have the means. It's the way that Rachel Hollis was like, I have someone that comes to clean the toilets. Like that's not what's happening here. Like she's, you know, she's keeping your entire house clean. So why would you boil it down to like the worst part of the job? Well, and it's like, and, and it makes it like there's no human behind. Right. There's no dignity. The other thing about the second Rachel Hollis apology, a couple of really prominent Black influencers were commenting on the posts as they went through. Um, One of them is Glow's Graphics, who we've talked about. I love. Mm -hmm. She commented on the most recent apology and was like, you know, this, this is better. Like there are still things that I would change, but this is much better. But like, it's too late at this point. Like you waited five days after you posted the video. You left the video up like to keep the like publicity coming in. You wrote this shit apology and blamed your team and then waited another two days, deleted everything else. So it deleted all of the education that was on the posts that like black influencers took out the time to like educate not only her, but other people. She just deleted them. Right. And then did this other apology. So she was like, yeah, like this is fine, whatever. But like, look at all the shit that you did before that to get to this like, okay, apology. Like, no, you're done. I don't want to stay on this too long, but I did want to bring it up because it was sent into our DMs on Instagram on the podcast, which I thought was great. Oh, great. It was from a girl I went to law school with who has followed Bookstagram and the pod. So like, so appreciated. Yes, thank you. And I went to, for people that don't know, I went to law school at Alabama. So like I was, I don't know, one of four or five people from the North, like in my class, like there were not many people. So, and I also like am pretty, as we discussed in the last episode, like pretty anti-gun, but there are tons of people in the South that are pro-gun. It's like a very, you know, yeah, second amendment, Yep. part of the country. So her husband was in the military and they are now gun collectors. Like he's not, I mean, I, I don't know what happens when you leave the military. I don't know if like you're just like in reserves, but like in any event, he has guns and he's now a gun collector. And I found out the difference between an assault rifle and an assault weapon. Okay. So an assault rifle is a rapid-fire magazine-fed rifle designed for military use, which allows shooters to select between semi-automatic, which is the AR-15s, mm-hmm. fully automatic, or three-shot bursts. So that's mm-hmm. an assault rifle. Okay. There is technically no such thing as, as an assault weapon. That's, like, not an actual... Is the AR-15 an assault rifle? Yes. 
And it just depends on what magazine you have or like what. Okay. Yes. So it is an assault rifle. But yeah, so there is no such thing as an assault weapon, but like it is this category that has been made up to include weapons like an AR-15. And AR actually doesn't stand. I don't I don't think I wrote down what it actually stands for, but it doesn't stand for automatic rifle. The A is um the company like that first made the gun. Yeah. Okay. So that's not even what it stands for. Got it. Okay. But she said they have both an AR-15 and an AK-47 in their house, just from being in the military and now him being a collector. They shoot at the range. And he said that he has rifles that are more deadly than an AR-15, like that are like civilian rifles that you wouldn't necessarily call like an assault weapon that are more deadly hmm. than an AR-15, which of course, like we would just never know about. No, never know. How, what what makes it? Like what is... I didn't ask. Okay. But she explained to me that AR-15s are semi-automatic, which means the gun automatically puts the round into the chamber, but it means you have to pull the trigger every time, right. which I didn't know. Right. I assumed it was like, I don't know, slower or something, but like you're still pulling the trigger every time. Automatic is just you pull the trigger once and you can get multiples. And it just go right until you let go of the trigger. Right. Um, So her thought, and this is, I mean, this is definitely true, is instead of banning the AR-15s, you ban the capacity to add, because AR-15s allow for like the large capacity magazines where like you could fill it with 200 shots before having to stop to reload. Mm -hmm. Whereas like an AR, I don't know how many AR-15 actually holds, but like if you take away that ability, you're going to have to stop a lot sooner to like reload your gun. Right. And to stop you here, can't you also like, don't a lot of the, the shooters in these situations, like for lack of a better word, like doctor up their guns and like, yeah, like, manipulate them to have different so that's also an issue right it's not even just magazine it's like the ability to like i don't know and like 3d printers probably aren't helping because people can fucking like yeah print fucking parts to shit you know but anyway that's a that's a really great point um so basically and i think i think it's that i mean obviously ar-15s are getting the rap because everyone that is participating in these mass murders are pulling out AR-15s. Like that's the gun that they're choosing to get. Like you, mm-hmm. you don't even hear people being like, oh yeah, he walked in with an AK-47. You only hear AR-15s. And I don't mm-hmm. know if that's because they're easier to get. Like I'm not really sure. Or are they easier to manipulate like ch- a change to like whatever, like who knows? Right. And to me, I feel like the only, what from what she was saying, the only difference to me between a handgun and an AR-15 is that it probably holds more. Right. Right. Like, like that's, I mean, that's what it sounds like. A handgun can probably only hold like six, seven. Do is like the shot distance the same? That's what I associate with rifle too. Like you can be farther away and get more of an impact versus like hand. That might be I true. don't know. Like okay. that's where I'm like, like it feels more deadly just because of that. Mm-hmm. Like not even, so when I, like when I kind of reflect on our conversations about the gun control debate, I read about that too, where it's like, it's semi-automatic. So it's not like actually like it's not like crazy but i just was thinking like there's got to be another way that these are more deadly right no i think i mean i think the fact that the the vegas shooting where it was at the music festival that proves that like it has distance because i think he was in a hotel room when it was he was shooting down into the crowd yes like why does it feel like sniper rifle like that's right. what i think of in my head right i mean that's i'm like yeah that's like sort of what it is like it's got to be di- there's got there's to be a different like i get i get the manual thing i'm not going to argue that anymore but well, handgun has less rounds, so right? Like that, but also the distance has to be a thing. So yeah, I'm gonna actually ask her about the distance. But she kind of said, she said, first of all, like if if I thought that 
you know, a government buyback or a, you know, like a drop off where like all AR-15s had to be like dropped into this bucket. If I thought that that was going to stop this and like was going to be fair a solution, mm-hmm. I would hand, I would definitely turn in my AR-15. She's like, I'm a rare breed where I like like guns and I'm also like extremely pro gun control. Mm-hmm. Well, because she uses, she uses guns in the responsible way. In the sport way. Right. And, or responsibly. Right. Like, okay, have your hobbies. Right. Like, I, I don't give a fuck. Right. <laughs> Like, I don't care. I I just care that it's so prevalent. And so I'm going to ask her about the distance, but she said... um, Just, like, ask her anything, or if she's listening, anything that can, like, okay, besides the automatic part, like, let's take that out of the conversation. Is there anything about that that makes it more deadly? Like, why would someone want to pick that up? So her suggestions as, like, an alternative to a complete assault rifle ban would be waiting periods to get guns, which like I, I don't think anyone is really disagreeing with what she's about to say. Waiting periods to get guns, uh, closing all background check loopholes, banning high-capacity magazines and binary triggers, mm-hmm. bar people who have been convicted of domestic violence from owning firearms, and allow people with mental health issues to self-report to a no-buy list to prevent suicide, which I had never thought of. Self-report's going to be an issue, though. But self-report's going to be an issue. I think that it should be, I think, uh, like physicians, like their psychologists, yeah. like should be like how do people have to get on the sex offender list? Like, it's not that, like, they do they have to self-report? No. I don't know. It's, that, no, that's see, automatic. That's, yeah, exactly. So I feel like it should be automatic. If you are right. struggling with any sort of mental illness, like, you probably should be, or, like, there should be some sort of, li- I mean, and I right. guess that, like, people would probably panic because people don't want the stigmatization of having a mental illness, but. Right. Like, there has to be a level with which that makes sense. The bottom line is, is, like, you can see obviously the argument for people that are collectors or people that use them for sport and are handling them properly to be like, why are you trying to get rid of this? And she said to me, she was like, honestly, you may like, because she sent me a bunch of stuff to read and I did. And she's like, you may read this and still fall on the side of like ban them, which I do. But like, I can understand why like a specific gun is sort of getting a bad rap when she's like, most people don't use it for this. You know what I mean? Well, no, and that's, and to her point, it's like, you think about all these shooters and they literally buy their guns like weeks before the event. Like the one in Boulder was six days before. Right. So like, that's why I, I don't care about gun buyback. Like, I don't really care about any of that. Like, I'm not worried about the ecosystem of guns that exist. I mean, I can't say that because a shooting could happen tomorrow and someone could have bought a gun seven days ago. But like the ecosystem of people that feel passionately about owning their guns. You're not trying to take the ones that are already in system. Yeah, I don't really I don't really care because I feel like it's most of the time there are people like whether or not like they're willing to engage with us in conversation about it is different. Like your friend seems like very open yes. to like talking about both sides, which is so nice. So like, I'm not saying every gun owner is like that. They're going to like be passionate about what they're right. passionate about. But like, I just, I, I generally think that the people that probably own them are responsible with them right. to that regard. I just, there's, there is, there has to be a deeper understanding of like what is making AR-15s, the ones that are like flying off the shelves. And then I think, then I think the mitigation measures of like, Background, which I feel like is what, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe what Biden's proposing for gun control is like totally different. But I, again, I don't care about taking them off, removing them. I I just care about moving forward them getting into the wrong hands and like understanding like the things that make them attractive for people that want to commit these mass shootings. Okay, so I just Googled why are AR-15s so popular and Wikipedia 
brought up a little blurb. And it says, many hunters prefer to use AR-15 style rifles because of their versatility, accuracy, wide variety of available features, and wide variety of calibers. Collapsible stocks are convenient for hunters who pack their rifles into remote remote hunting locations or for length of pull adjustments to fit any size hunter, which like, I don't want to say like what I'm thinking exactly, but like that also applies to a, a mass shooter. No, you're, they're hunting people. Right. That's, what, that's why yeah. I asked the distance. Thing. Right. Like, that's why I'm like, so there's got to be a reason. And it does, it also sounds like features. Like, I bet you, you can make that gun whatever you need it to be. Right. So on um, NBC News, for some, the gun is a tool, a finely tuned machine that can cut down an animal or intruder or pierce a distant target with a single precise shot. So there's there's like this whole like article about AR, people are buying AR-15s because of the talk of like buy, the buyback. Um, so they're like, or like the ban, the future ban of them. So if, you know, they don't do a buyback. So now they're flying off the shelves. They're yeah. flying off the shelves because people are like, well, what, what if I can never get it again? It says here that they actually were developed in the 50s and were used in the Vietnam War. I think if I'm reading that correctly. But now it's like, it's one of the most popular guns. There's a whole article that I'm going to post. Yeah. And it makes me, while at the same time, I just like, I don't really care what people own as long as they're responsible with it. And like, it's, I think it's just the government's job to make sure we're taking care of a lot of, a lot of what happens is mental illness. Like, let's be honest. Right. And mental instability. And I think that that, I mean, along with COVID has just exposed so many weaknesses in the way we take care of our people. Um, or don't care, take care of our people. Right. So I think that that's where the government, but then at the same time, I'm kind of like knowing that we have weapons and I get, I guess I get for sport and I get, and I don't want to take that away, but like hearing that like, oh, this gun was used in the Vietnam war. I'm like, okay, so what, Well, that's what I was just going to say. So like, so what person thought it was a good idea to bring a war style weapon. Right. That was what one of the things this article just said. It was like, this gun was used to kill people. That was its original intent. So now we have this like, now it's just in the wild. And there are people that are saying like, the AR-15 is an all-in-one package. To your point, the handgun can only do so much. When you have an AR-15, it's self-defense, it's hunting, it's, you know, it has all these wide range of things mm-hmm. with just one. But self-defense is so intense. Yeah. I mean, that's, like if you're if you're defending yourself, a handgun is fine. In right, but their point is that like if they're also hunters or they're also whatever, they now have this all-in-one gun where they like. I mean, this. I don't know. I also I struggle with hunting. Oh too, yeah, generally. I mean that's same. I'm no. So I'm like I don't want to take people's sport away from them, but I'm also like right talk about like because I just think about and we'll talk about seaspiracy conspiracy <laughs> later. But I, I generally have this problem. I'm like, oh God, but like talk about changing the ecological footprint right. of like world, like and how livable it is. I mean, yeah. Well, I think, the, I think the bottom line is, is, you know, AR-15 supporters are like, well, like even a ban on AR-15s, if people are going to hurt someone, they're going to hurt someone, which to some extent I agree with. Like if a person is like, you know, writing a manifesto and is trying to go like shoot up a church, like he's probably going to figure out a way to do that. Like he's had this, you know, this whole thing planned out. But if it's someone that like, you know, is just like unstable, unstable, goes and buys a gun and five days later shoots up a grocery store, what would the prevent, like if there were stronger preventions, like would he have been able to do that? So it's not like, you know, it's more the unplanned things, the unstable unplanned things versus the guy who's writing the manifesto. Yeah. He's probably going to find a different gun. 
but like the person that just like snaps. 100%. And I think we talked about this last episode where it's like, I'm not, we're not trying to say that like, we're going to, it's going to stop the violence. Like people are going to find a way they're going to find a way. It's just about like the number of people that actually die. Right. And then I think- And how many are saved with these precautions. Right. And I think when we talk about background checks, for instance, we're not talking about just if you're buying an AR-15. Like no, like gun generally, like let's just have safe gun practices and encourage those safe practices. Right. And maybe it's okay, you know, if you have your hunting license, then you can buy an AR-15. Great. Right. You're using it for sport. I don't know. There. This is just, it It also just exposes, again, I'm like, where are the, where's the brainstorming in Congress? Like, why can't we people just sit? Like, wouldn't it just be so wonderful if like, because we're able to like, kind of have this conversation with your friend, even though it's not one-to-one right now. It's like, that's a beautiful thing. Right. The brainstorming that can come from that, like, why is our government, it's not failing doing all the same of us. Thing. It's failing all of us. I mean, right. let's be real. It's just, right. I mean, it's failing literally everyone, whether or not they believe it is in so many ways. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the, the bottom line is like, people are going to find the guns. Like they're right. They're going to, if, you know, if they're determined to do whatever, they're going to find the guns. But what are these precautions going to do to save lives right. in the future? Right. Because it's, it, the violence will happen. Right. It's just how much violence is going to happen. Absolutely. So I did think it was interesting. Like I, I do still come out on the side of ban, but like that is because I'm super anti-gun and like, I don't, I'm not a fan of hunting. Like I'm not a fan of any reason of having one. Like if there were no guns. I just, yeah, I think it's, it's hard for me to wrap my head around. I just, I struggle to like tell right. people what Same. to do and like do, live your fucking life. But yeah, I, I can't, in the depths of my soul, I'm like, why did, why does it need to exist? Like outside of a situation of war. Like I don't, right. It doesn't need to be on our soil in our fucking grocery stores. It doesn't need to happen. No. Um, yeah. So I thought it was great that she like wrote in and like brought in some alternative perspective. Cause it made me like do a little deep dive and like read some, read some articles. I'd probably yeah, wouldn't have read great. otherwise. Thank you for doing that. Thank you friend. Love the education. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so we have another email to try saying that out loud moment from our friend Marissa, and it's so good, but because we have not shut up for an hour and 20 minutes, we are saving it for the next episode because it, it's a great one and we want to make sure we give it the proper, proper discussion. Yeah. So we're skipping it for today, the first time ever, and Lo's going to tell us some shit because Lo, I want to know. Oh, that was a good, that was good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I, I'm going to take two questions today because they were kind of short, snippy ones. And I thought that was more fun than Perfection. a deep dive in some regards. And some of it I've probably talked about before, so you're not going to be surprised. But one of the questions was, Lo, I want to know, how much water should I really drink every day? A lot. There are two rules. Right, a lot. You should basically waterboard yourself, essentially, which is an <laughs> inappropriate thing to say. But that's often how I feel. Like a lot yesterday when I had a fever, I was like, Ugh. it was insane. Um, anyway, there are two ways, like, so people will say two different things. One is just no matter who you are, 64 ounces a day. The other, which I kind of like to go by because I, I believe that everyone's bodies are very different and I don't think overhydrating is ever an issue. I mean, I guess some people are like, oh, you're like having, I don't know. I just don't believe it's an issue. Half of your body weight in ounces. Yeah, that makes sense. So that can be more than 64 for a lot of people. But a lot of people also, with regards to the water question, ask about like if you feel really depleted, like electrolytes. So basically what 
electrolytes are, and I'll just give a quick debrief is, so things like calcium and sodium are considered electrolytes. And basically what they do, yeah, they basically, because so many situations in our body, especially with water, barriers of cells, membranes, they often like liquids traverse across the barriers through osmosis. So it looks like the sodium, for instance, kind of helps balance water balance um, or liquid balance. Um, So electrolytes are honestly, they're required for so many things. And like our bodies are good about getting them from our food. Like we get them from all sorts of sources. So really electrolytes, like some people, like I have a friend who's like, I'm doing electrolytes in my water. And I'm like having better bowel movements. And I'm like, "Hmm." only because. So you don't think most people need to add electrolytes to their diet? It depends on your diet. Like if you're getting plenty of like good quality, like sodium, for instance, in your foods, like like most people consume too much sodium as an example. Right. So you don't need more because the electrolytes essentially like replace those sodium stores. Right. So you don't need like more of that could be more damaging. Right. So for most people, I don't believe that you need to be using electrolytes all the time. Uh, Situationally, like if you have like really bad food poisoning and like you're super depleted, that can be a great time to like introduce electrolytes because it can help your body reabsorb and actually use some of the water that you're trying to rehydrate with. And then of course, like if you're exercising really intensely in 100 degrees and you're like sweating boatloads, like, and you feel depleted, like listen to your body, I guess, more than anything. Like if- Right, you can tell. Like you can tell when you're excessively dehydrated. Um, I think the problem is that most people don't realize they're dehydrated because they're not drinking enough water. So my first step is once you start drinking enough water, whether it's 64 ounces or however you do the math, you start to notice the changes in your body when you don't drink enough. For sure. And so you become a little bit more in tune. And so then you can use electrolytes when it starts to make sense. And when you've like gone to, like, I don't use electrolytes. The only time I would use it, what would be literally if I had food poisoning and I like lost a bunch of liquid basically. Right. Um, So again, two ways to go about how much water you should drink, 64 ounces or half your body weight in ounces. Excellent. Um, And a lot of people, a lot of people try, I mean, throughout the day is good. I like carrot, like this is a giant swell bottle. So if I have two of these. Mine is over there and it's 40. Is yours 40? Is that the 40 ounce one? 32 ounce? Uh, 25. Oh, I have a 40 ounce like motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Maybe I should get that. And I feel like if I, I mean, I don't know if I drink two full ones a day, I'm good. 100, like overly. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So it's helpful to get a water bottle that you know the ounces and then you just are like, I need to have. And it's cute. Two of these or four of these, like whatever it is. That's why I got a big one because I was like, oh, it's only two of these. So. Yeah. 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 So anything you can do, water's great. And I will get off my soapbox about this. Maybe never, but filtered water. Oh yeah. Um, filter your water. Like there are just unhealthy, like your, our bodies meant to detox like naturally, but often we're so overloaded with other things that our body's trying to detox that like in the least filtering your water can make a big difference and your kidneys will work less hard. I did read something because I'm obsessed with filtering my water and I like taste a difference. Oh, I do too. So I freak out. I freak out when I have like tap water and I'm like, what is it? Like, what is going on? And I was like, oh no, I need to be like carrying charcoal sticks with me everywhere I go to filter my water. But then I I took a step back and I was like, look, the body's meant to know how to filter these things. So like just control what you can control. But like at home, filtered water is the way to go. The second question was an interesting one. It's about apple cider vinegar. The question was low. I want to know, does apple cider vinegar actually do anything? (laughs) 
Totally valid. I have that exact question. Totally valid question. Um, There are two parts to this. So apple cider vinegar, and I'm not even sure what started people becoming obsessed with apple cider vinegar. I don't know either. My POV is that, uh, you know, the brand Bragg's, they have apple Mm -hmm. cider vinegar, they have liquid aminos, they have all these things. And they're like alternative soy products and whatever. They're supposed to be healthier. I My perspective is that Bragg's just literally released apple cider vinegar. And everyone was like, it's the elixir of health, I believe. I, I just, so I don't know. I have not confirmed, but I, that's honestly what I think. But here's the thing. So any vinegar you take, balsamic vinegar, white wine vinegar, red wine vinegar, uh, champagne vinegar, any sort of vinegar is comparable like apple cider vinegar just falls into that bucket isn't a special vinegar it's not a special vinegar i mean every so vinegars go through a fermentation process and that's kind of what pulls out this acetic acid which is basically what makes all vinegars kind of the same okay fermentation process can be different you know like balsamic vinegar obviously is like sweeter than like a champagne vinegar right like it has different compounds so vinegars are different but in terms of like their health benefits, it's really the acetic acid that is what's unlocking all these benefits. So acetic acid, there have been studies that have proven it to be, they call it anti-diabetic, which basically means it kind of helps regulate blood sugar, maybe helps with insulin sensitivity, those types of things, but also antimicrobial effects. Like a lot of people talk about apple cider vinegar, like using it on your skin. If you have like eczema or psoriasis or like something because it would you recommend that I don't I don't know I mean I don't think it okay I, I don't know I mean there are no studies that support it I have never tried it I think there was a study where people with eczema tried apple cider vinegar and didn't know like it wasn't like that life-changing life-changing okay so anyway but because of vinegars they're also packed with antioxidants so there are, there are all sorts of beneficial things to vinegars, but again, vinegars, period. Apple cider right. vinegar I don't, is not necessarily unique to that. Excellent. So I feel like that kind of circles back. I asked you this question yesterday. Highline Wellness, yes. which is one of my favorite CBD companies, came out with a like trio of gummies, one of them being an apple cider vinegar gummy and the other two being like detoxifying and de-bloating. And I was like, ah, this is they're advertising this at their right target. And I sent them to low and I was like, what what about these? And she was basically I, know, like, I have to look at the, I have to look at the I mean, but ba- like this the answer to this is like unless I'm not getting vinegar anywhere else, where like sometimes I'm not, but like right. I think I, probably enough like that I don't need these is the bottom line. Like you have to think about the vehicle with which, like I got reached out to by a brand that has apple cider vinegar gummies and they wanted- Is it Goalie? Yes. And they wanted to like partner with me and I was like, mm, let me like look into, the, like I don't really know, but the problem you have to think about, okay, like I'm taking a gummy for something and it's going to be packed with sugar. It's going to be packed with dye. It's going to be like, it's like, is it like, what's the point The benefit outweighing the costs? Like, and not saying that a gummy is going to like set you over the edge, but like if you're focused on health and you're trying to ingest something for its health benefits, like think about also what you're ingesting right. along with it. Right. Anyway, studies on apple cider vinegar in particular, because it, again, may help with insulin sensitivity. Um, and it there was a small study, very small numbers on these studies. And so that's why it's like that, like who knows? Um, Di- people that were diabetic 
took apple cider vinegar after like kind of a high carbohydrate glucose meal. And the next morning had lower fasting glucose levels. So there's, you know, like potentially might help insulin resistance, uh, glucose levels in diabetics, um, may help decrease belly fat. Again, really small numbers. I really think that it's um, more about appetite and like the feeling of fullness that vinegar can kind of give you. Uh Um, So I think that's the main contributing factor. Like you're not going to overeat that type of thing. Right. And then some evidence in, I think it's mice or rats, one of them, some sort of rodent, um, that it may help manage cholesterol and triglyceride levels with regards to cardiovascular health, but no such studies have been done in humans. Interesting. So the TLDR is apple cider vinegar and those taking things as like a supplement like that. Like you always want to check with your doctor because depending on what other medications you're taking or what other, other things you're doing, there can be side effects in our relations. Yeah. You don't want. So I, you know, would make sure it's okay from that perspective. I mean, here's the thing, like it's vinegar at the end of the day, right? Like it's not going to like, but you want to make sure it's not going to interact negatively with whatever else you're taking. Also, if you are taking it, here's the benefit to a gummy is it can, I mean, it's super acidic, right? So if you're literally drinking apple cider vinegar and water, like that can be like erodent enamel. Right. And like, you don't necessarily want any of that. So be careful with like how you supplement, I guess. My thing is just fucking cook with it. Just like use it. Like I used to pop, now I don't really have it, but like I used to you know, I use vinegars in my salad dressings that I make. I used to always, I've talked about this before, but if you're wilting or cook lightly cooking greens, cooking them in acidic liquid can help preserve some of the nutrient content. So if I don't use lemon juice, I used to like throw a splash of vinegar in there. So that would be my thing. I don't know. I I guess I wouldn't think of apple cider vinegar as beneficial in a silo either. Like it's not just apple cider vinegar. That's good. It's just- It's not a cure-all. Right. It's the acetic acid in any vinegar that you can use and and get the benefits of. So it doesn't hurt you unless you're taking it all the time and you're taking certain medications. So again, this is not medical advice. This is just purely my knowledge. And so always check with your healthcare providers and your health team to make sure it fits for you. But- yeah, that's kind of my my general vibe on apple cider vinegar. <laughs> yeah, you are my health team, so I check with you. And I love that. So I will not be imbibing in apple cider vinegar gummies, despite how well they... Well, yeah, especially if they have like sugar in them, right? Yeah, despite how well they targeted me. I was like, oh, you guys fucking... I mean, to be fair, that's going to... People are going to love that shit. Yeah. Had I not texted you, I would have bought them, so... There's that. No, people are going to love that shit and influencers are going to love that shit. A hundred percent. It's going to be. And that's part of the problem with the health space generally is that that type of shit can happen so easily. Oh, yeah. And like people don't even know like what's going on. And like, it's fine. Like, I'm not saying apple cider vinegar is bad. Like, not at all. No. I just think that it's like you have to be careful of the hype around these things and like really understand like actually what is like, why is this so good? Right. Why does it matter? And I think studies are ongoing because it's gotten it. So I'm grateful for that. Right. Like now science is like, oh, we should figure out like why this is helping. But at the same time, yeah, the vehicle with which you consume. Right. Well, Enneagram? Yeah, we're on the last one. We got some shifting to do next time. Wild. But it's Enneagram 5, 
And I'm very excited for this. I am too, actually. As you know, my husband is an Enneagram 5. And it was so fun to like do this. Psychoanalyze him. (laughs) It was great. Um, And we have a good friend that is also an Enneagram 5 who has been patiently waiting for us to get to her section. I love. (laughs) So starting with the memes, the Enneagram 5 bingo includes only books for presents, please. Niche interests. Being alone. I'll think about it and get back to you documentaries, minimalism, a robust savings account, people watching, and probably doesn't follow you on Instagram. (laughs) Ben has never posted a single thing on Instagram ever. Does he have a handle? Mm -hmm. Just never, ever posted anything. Just follows. I know Alex doesn't really either. I mean, I think he's posted a handful of times, but. And then uh, instead of doing fives on a plane or fives in traffic, this was the funniest one of how fives fuck up their love life. So there was one for every type, (laughs) but fives was the funniest. Okay. Hello, I must retreat into my mind palace and emotionally ignore you for several major life crises. Catch you on the flip. (laughs) Peace. Literally. Like the most traumatic, like the most traumatic thing could be happening to Ben. And he'd be like, I just, I just didn't want to bother you with that. I'm like, okay, cool. (laughs) Like, doesn't matter. Where do those emotions go in the body? I don't know. Stresses me out. I don't know either. Um, so the Enneagram 5 is the investigator, the thinker, the observer. They are intense, cerebral, perceptive, innovative, secretive, and isolated. Quote, when it comes to emotional engagement, less is more for a 5 because they have to <laughs> ration their connections. So like there is like, you know, there's limited capacity for having friends and like yes. giving them their emotional attention. Like they're right. just like, I'm not going to fucking do it. Like, no. Yeah. Have a nice day. Fives get peopled out, expressing a need to spend time away from the outside world after having exerted social energy in almost any capacity. Um, And this was my favorite quote in the Millenniagram. When I first read it, I was like, oh, this is my life. I should just get this tattooed on on me somewhere. Loving a five is a long con. I can't recommend it for the faint of heart. Sounds, I mean, it sounds like it. Long con, for sure. Um, (laughs) Like, that's how I feel. Oh, God. Um, so other characteristics, they are alert, insightful, curious, and are able to concentrate on developing complex ideas and skills. They are independent, innovative, inventive, but they can become preoccupied with their own thoughts. Uh, they are often detached, but also high, strung, and intense. And at their best, they're visionary pioneers often ahead of their time and are able to see the world in an entirely new way, which like is like is Ben he's I mean I say this and people say this about their spouses and their friends but like he is one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life and like so much of the shit that he like deals with at work is like like I just like I can't even begin to process I'm just like I don't I don't understand and some of it is like not knowing business period but some of it is like I don't have a fucking clue what you're talking about like can't (laughs) even begin to process what this might mean so I'm not going to but like Yeah, that's exactly. Like, how I'm going to go to my mind palace. That has nothing right. to see, do with this. See, see you fucking later. My mind palace is Love Island, UK. <laughs> the villa. <laughs> that's how I feel. Totally. Um, 100%. So, five's basic fear is being useless, helpless, and incapable. So, their basic desire is to be capable and competent, which makes their unconscious childhood message it's not okay to be comfortable in the world. <gasps> I know. Oh. They're all so sad. 
they're all just Benny boo 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 who made you feel not uncomfortable in the world right and he was like that's he was like that's a lot of horse shit and I was like cool <laughs> excellent <laughs> Exactly the response I respect expected from you. Right. Um, their key motivations are to possess knowledge, understand the environment, have everything figured out as a way of defending themselves from threats to their environment. So if they like know it all, then like they can handle it all. Got it. Fives want to find out why things are the way they are, understand how the world wo- works, and behind their relentless pursuit of knowledge are deep insecurities about they're able to function successfully in the world. Knowledge, understanding, and insight are highly valued by fives, so they're not interested in exploring what is already familiar and well-established, and they feel like they need to have one area where they are, like, an expert in. So, like, Mm, Ben mm -hmm. has several, but, like, if they have an area where they can, like, kind of just word vomit something at you about whatever the given topic is and, like, pretty much know the answer to any question, uh, like, that is, like, the goal of a five. Got it. Five's challenge is to understand that they can pursue whatever questions spark their imagination, maintain relationships, and take care of themselves at the same time. It's not like one or nothing yeah. or, or all or nothing. Yeah. So they are in the thinking triad uh, with six and seven, and they mm-hmm. are, again, concerned with anxiety and want uh, security. And of course, fives project their anxiety inward. It's never like an outward Expression yeah, so it's of, hard to tell if they're anxious. Correct. It's okay. extremely hard. Um, I've like it's taken me some time to figure out when it's when Ben is just being quiet because he's like decompressing, and when he's being quiet because like something's actually happening. Like it is. Is he self aware of his anxiety, or does it also make it so that they're not as like in touch with those feelings of anxiety? Like they just retreat, but don't really. The latter, for sure. Okay. Yeah. But. He's also not, in general, an anxious person. Like, right. he's just generally not, like... But that's outward, right? Like, how would you know? No, he's told me. Like, he's okay, not okay, okay. an anxious person. Got it. Like, when I, like... I'm a, not only am I an anxious person, like, my internal on- monologue is just, like, bleh, all the time. Like, you know, if I'm having right. an internal monologue with myself, I'm saying it out loud in the fucking kitchen. And he's like, <laughs> can you just, like, ever have a silent thought? Like, something can, <laughs> something can stay in. Oh, my God. Like... I say those words to Alex all the time. Yeah. I'm like, do you ever just not want to talk? No. I've never had a silent thought in my whole life. (laughs) Anyway, so their social style is withdrawn, which means they respond to stress by moving away from engagement with the world and into an inner space. And they withdraw, fives withdraw into a complex and cerebral inner tinker toy. <laughs> it was like what the book said. Basically, like their like, mind palace, right. essentially. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And their coping style is competency, which means they deal with difficulty by putting aside personal feelings and striving to be objective, effective, and competent, which means that they put any feelings that they have about something on the back burner. The wings um, are the iconoclast, which is a five wing four. These wings are so different. Like if I had to pick the most different besides eights, mm-hmm. I think I actually think fives are probably the most different. So they're their curiosity and perceptiveness with a desire to express a unique vision. They are more emotional, introspective, independent, and creative than five wing six. They are often creative loners, mixing passion and detachment. And some examples are Stephen King, Tim Burton, Kurt Cobain, and Van Gogh. So, like, they really pull from the four-wing and, like, have that artistic, like... Creativity, yeah. Yeah, like, and, like, the dark, you know, Tim Burton, like, kind of, like, think Mm -hmm. of it that way. Um, But they have, like, a lot of the, like, sort of brain power of a five. Mm -hmm. So, like, that is one end of the five. The other end, which is Ben, five-wing six, the problem solver. 
can combine a talent for innovation with business savvy, the most purely intellectual of all of the subtypes, extremely restrained and private about their feelings, and can be more argumentative than five wing four and are more defensive in their views. Some examples, Stephen Hawking, Bill Gates, Jane Goodall, Charles Darwin. Whoa. The variety, like the variant between Tim Burton and Kurt Cobain and Bill Gates and Stephen Hawking is like. And Jane Goodall. Right. Like it's, right. Just, I mean, they couldn't be further apart. But so like, that's, that's why like when, you know, people, when they're twos, like I think the wings are so similar that like when you get to these and you're like, oh, like you clearly have to be a wing because mm-hmm. you're one, you're not going to be one of these. Like not, right. there's no overlap. Yeah. Like a balanced wing might not be a thing. Yeah. A balanced, I would be shocked if I <laughs> met anyone that was a balanced five. So instinctual variants are um, self-preservation is the castle. They are the subtype with the most boundaries, and they are the clearest example in the Enneagram of introversion. They have difficulty with expressing anger and prefer to withdraw instead of communicate. They conserve their energy in, a, in energy in order to avoid needing others, and they can be very private and protective of their home space. So they are like, if you had to pick the most typical five of the subtypes, it's this one. Yeah. The social subtype is the specialist. They are masters of wisdom and try to become indispensable in their field. And they interact with others by debating ideas, critiquing society, and analyzing needs. And they are in search of a relationship with shared ideals, and they can look like a one or a seven. That is what I think Ben is, which is interesting because it's the social subtype, which like you don't like think about him as like particularly social, but like he fucking loves to debate, like, just like get him with anyone that will debate him. And he really hates the fact that I won't debate him. Right. Uh, I just don't like I get too emotionally invested and I just don't really enjoy it, especially because he can like really fucking dig in there and like, yeah, you know, press the buttons that a lot of other people couldn't press in a debate. Yeah. So I don't right. enjoy it. But like that, is, like it's not a safe space for me then. Right. Like but that is his <laughs> dream is to debate somebody all day. Oh, my God. And then the one-on-one is this is my world. They like to share secret information with their intimates. Like, for example, like someone that they're really close with, they would just say, "I've no, I've never told anyone this, but and like oh. fill in the blank. That's like a big, big thing with them. And they focus on finding the ideal partnership because they place so much value on one-on-one connection. So like they're not they're not spreading what little connection energy they have among several people. Like they're going to try and focus it on Mm -hmm. one person. And this is, they can mistype as a four. uh, But what that would likely mean is that they're either a four wing five or a five wing four. If this like type is coming out. And then on, of course, on the document, we have the, all the levels of development from one through nine. And then in stress, detached fives suddenly become hyperactive and scattered at seven. Welcome. Which like Ben says that is him. (laughs) Ben says that is him. But like, I don't, like, I guess I've never, like when he's stressed, like I can tell, but I don't see that, that side of him. Like he's never been hyperactive in his life. And like, I guess maybe the scattered, like, but I don't see like what he's doing at work. You know what I mean? Like he probably feels more scattered than right. Like he, yeah, that's probably off. right. Like that's, yeah. that's, I think how my, like, I don't, like, I don't think someone would look at me and say, oh, you're scattered seven. Right. Some but are. like, sometimes I feel like internally scattered. scattered. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes more sense. Um, they react against isolation by impulsively throwing themselves into activities and they become restless, agitated, and act out by searching indiscriminately for stimulation and experience, mm. which like some of that I don't totally see with Ben. Like 
but he i mean he does like throw himself into shit like whether it's well he's also i think probably a very on the spectrum healthy relative to a five for sure for sure for sure and those like those are like unhealthy seven right like impulse <laughs> buy everything right never would literally yeah. never right uh detached fives become more self-confident and decisive like healthy eights so fives grow by coming down out of their heads and coming into deeper felt contact with their vitality and physicality and when they're healthy they feel empowered to take on major challenges and often assume leadership roles so what was interesting is Ben's boss at one point, like his boss was an eight and Ben was a five and eights go to five in stress and five goes to eight in health. So like their relationship is so unique. Symbiotic. Yeah. It's like really like, yeah, it's really interesting. That's cool. And yeah. I didn't know that he was an eight like until like, I don't know, long after I knew him. And so finding that out and we've known Ben was a five. I was like, oh, this, this makes a lot of sense. Makes so much sense. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, and I there weren't that many fives in history that people would give a shit about, so, but I do have a few. Um, Siddhartha Gautama, like Buddha, was a five. Can't hate that. Einstein, uh, Salvador Dali, Emily Dickinson, Agatha Christie, Mark Zuckerberg, and Jodie Foster. So, like, you really do have, like, the spectrum of, like, the real creatives. Like, Emily Dickinson was clear. Like, she was definitely a five-wing four. I don't know why she's not right. sorted. And Mark's... And, like, the, like spiritual depth, right. too. Like, right. Like, so much, like, otherworldly presence type yeah. people. Yeah. Dolly. The Buddha. Mm-hmm. Einstein. Like, you... Like... Right. Like, something. Like, you meet them in your... Or not that we've met those people. But, like, you know, like, they have something when you, like, think about them. Right. Interesting. Right. There's a distinct... Th- yeah, that's a great point. There's a distinct thing you think about every time you think about any of these people. Right. Like, they've brought some contribution to the world. Yeah. Um, that's so cool. So that's that. Enneagram 5. And we're fucking done. We're done. Yeah. Lovely. I love it. Lovely Deacon King Kong. I do like the color. I do really like the cover. No, me too. Like the orange really speaks to me. I know we've talked about this, but like I'm still very drawn to orange. Yeah. I just ordered a pair of orange hoops. Ooh, those would be great. This is a seven in me. I also rage bought, not rage bought, but like bought another hat. Okay. We don't need to talk about that. I cannot stop buying things that adorn my head. It's okay. I, something is, it might be my toxic trait. Okay. Um, anyway, this book also also has a hat. He has a hat on in the cover. He does have a hat. <laughs> Full fucking circle. Okay, so I got this book from the library and I kept it for like an extra week and a half because I wasn't done reading it. And I think we talked about this originally when we first, last episode, but it was definitely a slow start and not necessarily in a bad way. Like I wasn't like, oh, this is moving too slow. It was just, Obviously, there are so many characters. They just like throw 500 characters at you. Mm -hmm. And you're like wondering how important, which of them are important to actually remember. Yep. The answer is a lot of them for the most part. Right. Um, Like they barely introduced anyone that wasn't important. So like you have that. And then all the characters are being fleshed out so well. You're learning about all of these different characters and all these details, which I thought was great. It was funny. So like that kept me. So funny. Yeah. I was like audibly laughing. But then you get into the second half and it's like, oh, here we are. Hello. Things are happening. And like you're starting to see like the pieces fall into place. So I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily like be like, oh, this was a slow burn book. I like don't exactly know how to describe it. Like I don't know what I would say. You know what it know what occurred? No. So yeah, you're totally right. It's 
it's you're trying it's slow because you're trying to take your time sifting through like who are these characters like it's slow almost in a way that I imagine like I tried to read Game of Thrones and the character volume was just like oh he fucking yawned and I couldn't so it's almost like on a lesser scale that because you're like okay I'm not saying that like it's I'm not engaged I'm just like trying to figure out all these characters so as I was reading it you know my first thought was I was like this would make a fucking great movie be a great movie. Like great or TV, silver, whatever the fuck screen yeah. they call it. Like it would be so, so incredible because that was, so that was my one thought. I was like, okay, this would That's be great, great for television because it's similar to Game of Thrones where it's like, it's almost like it would be easier to make sense of the characters. If like you, if you could face see to them. the name, uh-huh. right. face to the name and like understanding like how they all, because you you spend the entirety of the, for the whole book, not even just the first half, trying to figure out how they're going to connect the mm-hmm. dots, right? And like how you, you understand that like, somehow it's going to come full circle. It's like a full circle thing, but you don't know, understand how my second thought was that I would adore like a book or otherwise a spinoff on all of these characters. Like the characters were so well flushed out and like so well uh, developed that I was like, Oh wow. Like I could read a, a distinct book about all of these characters. Yeah. They were so good. And like, you know me, I'm not a character person. I know. But it was hard not to love each character for their own journey or their own thing. Because you knew everything. Yeah. It was like not a secret. Yeah. Yeah. No, I thought it was so good. And so I felt the same as you where I was like, oh gosh, am I going to not like this book? Because it took me so, which is why we had to push it to this episode. Because I couldn't. But I think it was, I think the point was, is that you're supposed to spend time with it and you're supposed to kind Mm -hmm. of like... It's not one you're meant to fly through. Right. And I found the like slapstick humor. Like at So times, fucking funny. Was, it was so funny. Can we talk about, I should have like, okay, I might have to just like, it's not even a quote you can read. It's just a moment. And I can't remember the character's name. Is it his son, Pudgy Fingers? No. Uh, Sister Paul <laughs> in the old folks home at the very end. When she says, <laughs> you've got a face. For swim trunk ads <laughs> like I'm sorry like that is a like a, like I will never soon I will never forget that the whole there were so many things that I was like the way he was describing people and just like the fact that his son's name is pudgy fingers like <laughs> so fucking funny so good and it's also like somehow made his like so this old man from people that haven't read it is like lost his motherfucking mind. He's a drunk, but he's also just lost his fucking mind. He's talking to his dead wife, which also is fucking hysterical. So like somehow it makes this like, it's actually a really terrifying thing that this person is like this much of an alcoholic and also this much losing his mind and that we're laughing at it. And that we're still like, oh, we like him. He's cool. Right. Right. Like that you're like rooting for him Mm -hmm. because you're like, he's not, I mean, he's not hurting anyone. I mean, no. he did. Well, he did. Well, yeah, but, like, he did. You find I mean, that out very early in the book. Anyway, I just, yeah. So I really, I, I just, and here's the thing too: the way the humor was used. At one moment, I was laughing, and then at the next moment, I was like, "Oh fuck!" Mm-hmm. Like they, it used humor to not like take away from the impact that this book had, like the commentary on race and class and all of that. Like it used humor in a really impressive way. Yeah, it was great. I don't know that I've I've read an author that's able to do that. Like, I feel like normally you'd be talking about these heavy topics and the humor would take away from that. But it 
almost like added to its impact. Cause at one point, like I said, you're laughing and the next point you're like, Oh, right. Okay. Yep. I'm gonna take that one. If anyone hasn't read the book or read the inside flap, I like have my review written for this. and was like waiting until the podcast went live to post it. But I, I think I'm going to start doing this in my reviews, doing a one sentence synopsis because I don't oh. like people, like I don't like the list of the synopsis right. in the book. Yeah. Yeah, like good. in the in the post. And like I also like people do it like where they post it as like the second slide, which is like fine, but like I'm not reading that whole synopsis. I'm just not doing it. Right. So I feel like a one sentence synopsis to the extent you can. I love that. Because I don't synopse in my reviews. I like can't. I'm like, no. I don't know that I'm gonna synopsis it better than the inside flap did. So like why would I try? <laughs> right. Um, so my one sentence synopsis is during the 1970s, a drunk deacon in Section 8 housing shoots a young drug dealer who he used to coach in baseball and chaos ensues from there. Yeah. So I was like kind of like reading, I was reading some people's reviews on Goodreads and just like kind of like, this is the one of the first books I've like really like done a dive on and like trying to think of like what other people thought of and mm-hmm. like things that I might have missed. I forgot as I was reading this that this book was set in 1969. Right. There is no reason that book couldn't have been set in 2020. Totally. Yeah. Like there was nothing, like, which is crazy. Yeah. Because I mean, there's like, there's a huge race element. There's like police presence. I think the only thing that made me know that, and maybe not the specific year, but know that it was historically based was the Italian black communities, like those. Ah, uh-huh. That dichotomy of like both of them existing and like being other in a lot of ways and like yep so that that that's true that's what tied me to that but no you're right I didn't there were times when I like had to remind myself that it was historically based right which I think is so interesting because like to your like yeah that's and I've kind of forgot that that was a thing the Italian as other but that's really like that was really the only thing that would put you in not right the 2020s which is which is crazy right I did love how it came completely full circle there like wasn't yeah. really anything that you like were like, well, what about like I just thought it was like a great like okay tied with or, a bow, right? Yes. yes. I love a tie with a bow. Yeah. But not in a not thought provoking way, right? Like right. it was tied with a bow, but it wasn't that's not to say that it was like simple. Right at all. You know, at all. At all. It, you're still like, oh, like I could probably read that again and like pick up things to your point about like what did I miss? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Like there are probably so many things I missed. Yeah, no, I thought it was like Uh, And like, you can't really go into a deep dive on this without massive spoilers, basically. And like, it's also would be hard to do that because like the first half of the book is so much of learning about the characters. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like hard to spoil in the sense that like you would just be retelling the book if you're like, this is this character's story and this is this character's story. Right. Right. Yeah. But it was great. And you like learn out why he why the book is called Deacon King Kong like pretty quickly, which I liked. Right. I always I like when you can figure out exactly like why the book is named what it is. Like I like seeing it. Yeah, and I felt yeah no, I really liked it. I think for not wanting to say this again because I we said this about Detransition Baby as well, but and in some ways it's like not unlike any book I've read like character stories coming full circle like that is obviously done in literature. But it does. Somehow I was left with, I, it wasn't like. It was extremely unique. Yeah. I, and I wasn't, and I'm going to be honest, I wasn't left like, oh my God, this was five stars, my favorite book I've ever like read this year. Like it wasn't one of those for me. Same. But it was a, 
it was so unlike anything I've read. And I think it was the humor element and like the ability to do this slapstick humor, but still have poignancy and like right. depth that like made me feel like it was something I'd never read before. And so I agree I'm, keep, I'm keeping it on my shelf. Anyway, I do have a question not to ruin this, but I think it's an interesting for those of you that have, have read it and email us or comment after we do this. The role of the ants. So interesting. So like the only thing I can come to is that... And when she says ants, it's A-N-T-S, like the bug. Yes. Sorry. Not not aunties. Like ants. Yep. Like ants chasing cheese. Yep. Like... The cheese. That was... That was the... Those were the parts where I was like, okay, like there's like an... There's some real depth to this that I'm missing. Like I'm missing. But the only thing I can come to, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts, is for me, I guess, the ants were a reminder of place. Like where they're living? Yeah, but like, and the story is, when you think about it, it's about a single place, essentially. Not single in the church or the housing unit or, but like an area, like square mile place, essentially. Yeah. And the ants being a consistent and constant like reminder of that. Yes, that's what I was going to say. As time is passing, you're in the same spot and like the ants are still coming like year after year. Like generationally. Right. Yeah. It's also like a generational of like Elefante, like his dad and like all these things that existed before. So that. And the ants were always there. Yeah. But that's one of the, those are, that's one of those details where I'm like, if I read this again, I would pay more attention to that because I kind of was. And see where they're coming up. I was so over, not overwhelmed, but I was. There was a lot. Right. I was trying to wrap my head around all the characters and like how the storylines were, which is my fault. And like as a reader, just let it fucking unfold. Like don't try to predict. Right. But like you do naturally. But I was so um, focused on that that I right. was like, ants, I can't deal with fucking ants and cheese. Like, uh, but it probably had like such a deep impact. Like, so I'm curious if people have read this, if you guys have another perspective on the role of the ants. We'd love to hear it. Yes, would love to hear. DM us because I know we have a handful of friends that have read this book already. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was great choice. I agree. If you haven't listened to the other episode, which means you probably aren't listening to this one, but our April pod pick is Red Pill by Hari Kunzru. Is that how you pronounce it? Hari Kunzru. Yep. So yeah, you have three weeks at this point to read it, I think. Totally. So yeah, we'll talk about it in our first episode of May, but I'm excited because we've had this one for our, our both of our shelves for a while. But speaking of books, I read a book recently that pulled me out of a massive reading slump. Oh, yeah. We love that. I don't think you will give a fuck about it. Okay. But uh, <laughs> it is People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. Okay. She is the one that wrote Beach Read. Okay. And I never read that. But you liked yeah. that a lot. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Um, I think I like would describe her as the romance writer for non-romance readers. Okay. Like, it's just not my genre. Like, I'm not sucked in. Like, I don't, I just don't care for the most part. <laughs> sucked in. Yeah. Nice word choice. And I, like, it has, like, a couple, like, steamy scenes, but it's not, like, it's certainly not, like, you know, a steam book. It's just not, it's not up there on the steam meter. Yeah. But, like, you, like, you know, you're reading, you, like, read the tension as you're reading it. Yeah. But yeah, both yeah. of the books... For some, and either even though like neither of them obviously happened to me, I had like such a connection with them, both of the main characters who are very different. And like, that's great. Was, I don't know what it was, but I was like, I feel like. And honestly, it's a power of you find a writer that like somehow speaks to, like, that's a, I think the power of the author in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I just 
the, by far, those two books are like the fa- my favorite romance books I've ever read. Great. I love this. Yeah. And I read, I like downed it. It doesn't come out till May, but I had it on. Um, no, it strikes me as I think, so you read Beach Read last year. See, I would read that kind of book on literally on vacation. Yeah. They're, they're perfect vacation books. Like when have I been on vacation? Tell me. Right. Tell me that. Both of, but like if you're looking for a vacation book, both of them are incredible. Yes. But I think that I've kind of been saving them in the back of my head because I mean, I ever, I also need like light. Like, I just need that sometimes. You need like a little palate cleanser. Yeah. And I haven't read a light book in a super long time. And it was, it was great. It was so good. It was so well written. And it was good for the psyche. It was a, not a dual perspective. It was all the main character, the girl's perspective, but it was flashbacks. So from present day to previous summers. I love that. The basis of the book is um, her and her best friend from college. She met him freshman year at orientation. Um, They're like extremely different people, but he was a teacher and she's a travel blogger. And so every summer they took a trip together um, because he had time during the summer. And it's like literally over the course of like 10 or 12 years, like they go back and- I love those. I love that. Talk about the different trips that they took in the summer and then flashback to the present, like where they're taking their most recent trip and like it goes back and forth through that. And it's So so good. Yay. I love that. Yeah. I love getting out of a reading slump. Yes. Anything, it, it, whatever it takes. Right. It was great. So that's where I'm at. And we are just fucking crushing Love Island UK. Crushing it. We are almost done with okay. season two. and Which, okay, for people, once, I mean, Jamie already said this. If you have not listened to previous episodes, you're probably not listening to this one. But literally, there are 50 episodes. Yes. Yeah. Per season. Yeah. So when she says she is halfway through season two, she has watched. No, I'm almost done with season two. So she has watched almost 100 hours of television. (laughs) The only ones that we've skipped is there's like every five or six episodes. There's a recap episode. So like obviously we don't watch those because we're watching every other episode. But like almost triple digits hours of television. Oh, yeah. So it is impressive. No, I love me some Love Island. It is. It is like whenever Ben and I are in the living room kitchen area, it is just on. Background. Yeah. yeah it's background. perfect. because you It's don't, like having you... the news on, but it's be- fucking way better than the news. It's <laughs> so great. And um, I don't even know if you remember any of the people. But so like in the first season, um, I was convinced that Hannah and John, who were like, Hannah was like the Marilyn Monroe looking, who like got engaged on the show. I do remember them. Yeah. yeah. I was like, how is it possible that they don't win? Like, yep. I mean, this is so old. I don't care if I'm spoiling it for you. Right. But I was like, how is it possible that they don't win? Right. So now we're, I, we have a couple of episodes left. So like we have like the four couples that are in the finals. And right now I'm like, how is, I don't know if you remember these couples, but I was like, how is it possible that Nathan, Nathan and Cara don't win? And I don't know if they, oh, yeah. uh-huh, uh-huh, I don't know uh-huh. if they do or not, I but like I, that's my thought. But then like John and Hannah didn't win. So now I'm like, I, I know. don't know what's going to happen. You never fucking know. I can't, actually can't remember who won season two. I spoiled it for myself a while ago and now I don't remember who it was. So like great news for me. Yeah, good. So don't spoil it for yourself. It's so good. It's so entertaining. Well, I didn't mean to. I was like looking, I was like trying to figure uh, out who's yeah. still together and who's not. Fuck the internet. It's so fun. You can't even just. Yeah, it's impossible to look that shit up without seeing other things. So no, you can't. You literally can't. So I have to wait until the season's over to like see who's who like dated afterwards and like who if anyone is still together. But Ben like Ben was like, yeah, you can watch it without me. Like you can just like keep me up. But like he right. at this point, like he wants to know. Like he wants to watch the finale and like see who wins. So I can't right. watch it without yeah. him. I mean, some of the episodes in between are like, okay, you're not missing anything. Right. Dramatic. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. That's so fun. But what are you reading and watching? 
So I just fit well. So I finished Minor Feelings recently. And you really liked it, right? I really, really liked it a lot. I really, really, really liked it, actually. Would I like it? Yeah, I think so. It's, I want to say it's like a memoir, but like also she just writes these incredible essays. And uh, she's, so it's Kathy Park Hong. She's, I believe, Korean American because Perk is a Korean last name and she must have married um, into the Chinese. But anyway, she, I think what's been so fascinating to me about all of the anti-Asian racist stuff that's been circulating is the, and I didn't fully grasp like the differences in in oppression of an Asian American versus a black American. Like I didn't, it's not like I was living my life thinking they lived the same life, but I just wasn't thinking about it at all. Right. Um, So I appreciate it. And I, and I've heard a lot of criticism of from black people of black people and Asia, like vice versa of like how they need to be kind of united against racism period versus like Asian racism versus black racism versus, and like the intersectionality of all that. And I'm not articulating myself well, but I think I appreciated that she and her book and some of her essays, she just talk about like the black experience and like how the two are different. And so I, I really liked it. She's, I mean, she, writes poetry. Like that's how she started. Oh, she's, okay. So it's v- incredibly well-written, but she's also really, really funny. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I liked her a lot. It's a really, really good book. I will add it to my list. Yeah. And I finished um, that gut book that I was talking about oh, did last you like time it? a little bit. I really liked it. I think it's a really great, um, obviously some of the subject matter for me now is like more basic. Right. Um, from, cause I'm obviously in school for this, but I feel like for anyone who's just like the average Joe, just wanting to understand the gut, it's a great book. And I actually have the cover now I can show you guys. Um, so you can get the right one. Ooh, perfect. Julia Enders. Yeah, it's great. It's funny. And you will appreciate there is a excellent. So her sister, she's, she lives in Germany. I think she's German. The, do- the doctor, but her sister is um, illustrative artist. Okay. She does the illustrations in this book. And so it's pretty funny, but there's a great squatty potty image. Amazing. It's just like pretty funny. Oh, it's incredible. Right. So she has like some funny, anyway, I, she's just really good. And she, We're big proponents she, of the squatty potty on this podcast. I never turn back. No. Like I hold. We only had one, and I'm like, do I need to put one in every toilet? I know this is TMI, but sometimes I, if I, if I'm like, oh, I'm gonna poop, and then I, I hold it in so I can bring my squatty potty out, but I, I clench my sphincter to wait so that no poop. Yeah, because it's that good. I'm like, it's just gonna be so much better if I use the potty. Uh, okay, well, but then in terms of, um, we can talk about Temptation Island, but, but also I watched Sea Spiracy, which I mean. I'm laughing. We've already talked about this. <laughs> Which I'm laughing because my first fucking reaction before seeing the memes was I was like, Alex, so m- like, why did they leave that on the table? Conspiracy. See. Like what? The lowest hanging fruit of lowest hanging fruit. You don't fruit. have to try, try to make con a C. You can just use it. Conspiracy. Are you shitting C. me? I can't. Yeah. I can't. So I don't even know what it's about. I've seen it. Like I've seen it on my Netflix recommendations. But I've- so my first thing that I have to say is this guy started, and I don't know how long it took him to do this, but he started this documentary when he was 22. How old is he now? I don't know. But what was I doing when I was 22? Not that. Mm-mm. Not doing anything fucking good for the world. So I believe, so he, so it's this 22-year-old, he's, I guess his whole life been really fascinated. He's British. Okay. But been really fascinated with the ocean. So graduates from college and decides he wants to, I don't even 
honestly recall the purpose of the initial documentary, but he starts kind of trying to understand sharks. Okay. And uh, it, it quickly spirals into like, okay, why are sharks being hunted and killed? And what is that doing to our climate? Because sharks actually like the are amoebas, a big part of the ecosystem. Right. And like there's something about what they're what what they produce that helps carbon capture actually in the oceans. And so it's oh, like interesting. So, but then it goes into sharks, and then it goes, okay, why are dolphins being killed? Okay. Then why are two so it basically becomes this like and he doesn't even know. So you kind of follow him in this journey of like, okay, I started out doing one thing. Things. And now I'm like being a whist- becoming a whistleblower for like the commercial fishing industry. And he literally, it is to the point where, you know, when they like um, on like crime shows or like gang, did you ever watch Gangland where they like black out the person so you can't see them and disguise their voice? That's what is happening. These people who are like basically... In, in and of themselves whistleblowing without being identified. Right. They're like, if you like, if you don't want to die, you should stop trying to dig into this. Uh-huh. So I was crying. This is about the shark killing industry. It just becomes about, honestly, like commercial fishing, period. Okay. It, that's what it turns into. But it starts out, that's how he kind of, and then then it spirals and then it's whales. And okay. Then, so all these things. And so um, I was crying and subtly nauseous the entire time I was watching it. And Alex was like, you don't want to see this. Like there is gore. Like they, they show the killing of dolphins. Oh, nope. And nope. I just closed my eyes, but I screamed at Alex. I was like, ignorance isn't cute. I need to know what the fuck's going on. Because also now I have this lens of, with my health stuff, I have this lens of understanding like how we raise our animals and how we grow our food and how all of these things like, impact globally the environment because I right. anyway all these things are impacted by it so I was like you know I need to fucking understand um and boy do I fucking understand oh my god so you're saying I should watch it even though I'm gonna hate it I think everyone should watch it I you go in knowing like have watch it with Ben and have him tell you when it's like you'll be able to tell when it's getting a little gory right I can't say I am glad I saw the but I'm glad I saw those scenes right like why is anyone killing a dolphin you just wait I don't want to ruin it for you okay it's pretty well I mean it's pretty wild is it justified no oh okay it it makes me so mad at westernization and and Alice and I kind of talked about this capitalism to an extent because we're unable to live in harmony with anything like as no. as humans we think we can just conquer and have that be okay Yep. And I, there's no there's no reason and except for the fact that humans want what they want and these industries are trying to give that to them and make money. Yep. So that's I mean that's the basis of everything, right? But I don't know when I will have fish again. I I don't I I don't know the answer. Oh shit. It kind of was one of those things where it's like you know people tell you 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 know single use plastic like don't like the it the, this was one of those documentaries where it was like fuck if that matters right that you used a plastic straw right like the gaslighting and the secrecy like there were times where I don't even know how this man like got a video camera into some of these interviews with these people that like he interviews like where literally he was interviewing one woman and he was like try he he was in a nice way but like pushing her and asking her a lot of hard questions and in a roundabout way, getting her to say like, yeah, if I had to like tell people one thing to like help the ocean, it would be to stop eating fish. Like he was trying to get her to say that. And she basically kind of did. 
And he was like, well, why is it that, that not on your website, that message? And she was like, you'd have to talk to the CEO. He goes to talk to the CEO. And the woman is like, turn off the cameras. You can't record this. And then he, but he still has audio. It's fuck. I mean, like the, the things that people like, I, I can't say anymore at risk of like Hi. totally ruining it for you. I will be but investigating. Very fascinating. And I, I'm not trying to like tell everyone they need to like not eat fish because I, there's the side of me that's like, this is like, if we eat the way our ancestors ate or hunter, like they ate fish, right. right? It's not the animal that's the problem at all. No, it's the methods. It's the methods. And nope. Nope, nope, nope. Okay. Anyway, I will be investigating. So watch that. Yeah. But. Temptation Island. This wouldn't be our new podcast if we didn't talk about Temptation Island. I told I told you that Tom sounds like and looks like my best friend's husband. Yeah. And I, told, I was at the wedding with him this weekend and I told him, I was like, by the way, you look and sound like this really douchey reality TV star. What did he say? <laughs> He was like, I will need to go investigate. That's so fucking weird. And I played it for my sister. And you're like, and you're like, and my friend Lo thinks that man is very creepy and therefore might think you are creepy. How does that make you feel? Yeah, heads up. Like, if you saw him, you'd be like, oh, yeah, this this makes sense. Oh, like, God. I just, I, there's honestly nothing that dramatic happened to this episode. No. But Although Tom now realizes that Chelsea is cheating on him. Here's the thing. I told Alex, I was like, Oh, my God. Well, and I, I don't even know, like, what they agreed to. Like, she's not, she didn't have sex with him. I don't know what they agreed to, but also, like, Ben was like, oh, well, like, like, she cheated first. And I was like, I guess. Like. I Same. I'm like, I guess. But, like, he was up. Right. Like, he was, he was started to cry when he saw her hug another guy. This was like. Right. And, like, right. And, like, he's, like, slapping He's like slapping butts. Then he was like freaking out. He's like, oh, she's cheating on me because she hugged. And he's literally rubbing asses and getting kissed. And right. Like what? He's like, but I'm not like, no, no. I can't. I, I have zero patience for this human. I literally like to Alex. Well, and then ben, ben was like, yeah, she cheated first. And I was like, I don't know. I no. Alex. I don't like did it. not have room to have any opinion on him because I just like was shitting on him. I was like, no, I was like, you know why? <laughs> I was like, OK, you know, it is sad that he's crying. But you know why it's sad? Because he's just that dumb. Or he just doesn't get it. He literally is that stupid. And I feel bad for people that are that dumb. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Also, Aaron got a little defensive <sighs> about Corey. Oh, uh-huh. Right, yeah. for sure. Which I think that guy was right. For sure. But now she's, like, afraid. Now she's, like, she, like, for, has decided she wants to be with Corey. Because I think she has so many emotional... Yeah, I think she has so much emotional baggage that she hasn't dealt with that right. she's afraid of starting over with someone yep. versus losing him. Yep. 100%. That's my perspective. Yep. And I don't yeah. know how it's gonna end up. Like I don't I, either. for Corey, I don't really want that for him at all. I don't yeah. I think I think they'll leave separately. I think he'll decide. I don't know. Though I don't know how that's gonna end I up. I don't know either. Oh my God. Kendall is like the world's worst human. I can't. Like the the black, I don't know her name, but the black girl that was like sitting with him and like had redone his hair and like basically been like talking to him, yes. not dating him because Alexis is the one that's been with him. But she's like, you know, calling him out on his shit and was like, you're telling me that if you saw your girlfriend having a threesome at one of the bonfires, you wouldn't care. And he's like, wouldn't happen. Which is the dick. Like, I can't understand. What do you mean? It, it wouldn't happen because she's so loyal to me and like, she doesn't fuck with me, but I can fuck with her. Right. And she was like, what if, she, what if she found someone that like gave her something that you didn't? And he was like, impossible. Right. Like, fuck all the way I fucking off. hate him so fucking much. Alex was like, no, he's great. 
And I was like, you're just no. saying that because he's great for fucking TV. And he was like, exactly. He's great fucking television. And I was ben like, looked him up and he like has his own uh, like Ben was like, oh, he definitely thinks he's an entrepreneur. And that's exactly what his Instagram bio says. And he has his own website where he has like an ebook. And I like, I don't even totally know what his shtick is, but um, how to be great or how to be your best. Like, he's so stupid. Right. Like, I don't want, no, like, you were the worst human being. My biggest annoyance, it's just like so eye rolly. Like, at this point, I almost wanted Erica. By the way, I was proud of her for not, not leaving a message. message. Yeah. I was like, fuck yeah, bitch. But I almost wanted her to be like, I don't, you know, you don't even need to show me the, I don't give a fuck what he's doing. Like, don't right. even show me at the bonfire, the videos. Although I'm sure she's curious. Well, like, what does it matter at this point? She's already seen him have a threesome. It doesn't. She's just laughing. She's just like, okay, like, I don't. Right. It makes no difference. But the fact that he is like, desperately wants to be in a throuple is. Right. Is, and Alexis is like, yo, I'm not here for this. And he's like, but I like, might have a connection with this other girl. I'm like, oh my God. No, you don't. Like, what's happening? Or just like, also or the, don't. The fact that Alexis thinks that they might date when they get out is comical. Like, she thinks that they like might date when they get out. I don't know how when she's having these conversations with him and he's like, yeah, like if Erica, like, I, well, I don't know if he's actually said that to her outright, but the conversations where he's like, yeah, you know, if it doesn't end up with Erica, like if it doesn't work out as though he thinks that the way this works, it might, it, no, right. that, or that he thinks that like he doesn't, that they talk about it and then come to a decision. No, no, no. Oh, right. You come to that final bonfire and you have your decision. Right. You're not like feeling it out. Like he's basically trying to like leave her on the back burner as like the next option. 100%. But, like, and how is she listening to that? And it's like, yeah, this is a great idea for me. This sounds right. Yeah, this is a great uh -huh. idea. Alexis. Um, I'm feeling better about Julian and Kristen though. So, is that I her name? I just love Julian. Kristen? I just love Caitlin. Julian. I know you do. I believe he's growing on me a little bit. No, I just, I think that they're going to have a bonfire moment and they're going to like. I mean, 11 years is a fucking long time. Yeah, they're going to have a don't conversation. They're finally, like, I feel like this, this is like what it should do for couples like that. Like they're independently realizing what they didn't bring to the relationship or like what they hid. Right. And didn't talk about and like. Right. Put, put the rug over and, you know, swept under the rug. What is the fucking saying? I really, I mean, like Erica doesn't like need to be with a guy on, you know, I just like hope she has fun for like the last week that she's in an, on an island. Yeah, I hope she, she'll leave alone. She'll leave alone for sure though. Yeah. But like the fact that I cannot wait to see her just like tear Kendall to shreds like at the bonfire. I just want her to just sit there and like laugh in his face. Right. Like, are you psycho? But also I don't think he gives a fuck. Like he truly just like seems to not care. I think, I think he cares more than he le lets on. Like, and I think he so you think when she that way, says Deuce is at the bonfire, you think he's going to care? He's going to act like he doesn't care. We're not going to really know, but I think he does. Like when he sees her at the bonfire, hugging that guy and telling him that like she, you know, really cares about him or whatever. Like he had a reaction. He's like, yeah, of course, no one likes their girlfriend. Yeah, I guess that's true. He had a little more of a reaction than he normally does. Although like, and she was only holding his hand. So like. He didn't even see that part. He saw the like, oh, loving oh, my head yeah. on your shoulder. Anyway, Kendall's like, he's the fucking worst. But now I'm getting to the point where this episode wasn't super exciting. So I'm like, okay, let's wrap this shit up. I just want to know what happens. Well, red pill for yes. the next episode. I'm I need to read it. I still haven't taken it off my bookshelf. So I gotta get cracking. All right. All right, guys. Thanks, guys. Until next time. Try saying that out loud. Bye. Bye.